0: Hello everyone, it's me, Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi Jinx! with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is Jackie Cox. She's only five blocks away from me in New York City. I've got the Jinx and Dela Holiday show tonight, and she has a Persian art gala to go to tonight. So we are sneaking in a quick little conversation and what a conversation it is. We talk about everything from gender politics to the fear of gender politics to... Uh, manscaping <laughs> We have a wonderful conversation I'm plenty flirty It's hot You're gonna love it <laughs> Jackie and I are such good friends And you can hear all about our enduring friendship today on Hi Jinx So buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new Hi Jinx M um, Oh Mom! Hello everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by actor, singer, glasses enthusiast, fellow drag race sister, and it was Agatha all along. It's Jackie Cox.
1: Hi, Jackie. Hi, Jigs. It was me all along. (laughs) 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 ha.
0: Let's start with this. Okay. What was it about Agatha that appealed to you so specifically
1: that for a year of your life you became her. <laughs> I really did. People keep asking me if I'm going to do I'm like I don't think it's relevant anymore but yeah, I was very obsessed through all of 2021 with and I guess beyond with uh with Agatha Harkness from WandaVision. Um
0: like from the- I mean, lots of gays were. You're not alone in this. Lots of gays. We love Katherine Hahn. She's an amazing performer that reveal everything about that character throughout the whole season. Camp, fantastic, drag, everything about it. We know why it appeals to the queers. But why to you, Jackie Cox, specifically, <laughs> did you... Uh, What resonated with
1: you? It was, one, two things. One, I loved her ability in each era to kind of slip into the musicality and style Mm. of each era of television show, which is something that I aspire to in my drag. (laughs) Like, that's my goal, right? If you could drop me into an episode of Bewitched and none of the actors know that I'm not supposed to be there. (laughs) It's like a life goal, right? Um, And then I guess the other thing was just that you know it it was a good access point for me to access my witchy side which i feel like i've i've mm-hmm. probably neglected for too long i know jinx you were very connected to your witchy <laughs> self um
0: so i mention it here and there i, I love
1: it. <laughs> And it was it was kind of in this time of my life where we were just kind of creeping and crawling out of our bedrooms. Uh, in, I won't say post pandemic, mm-hmm. but mid pandemic. Post vaccine, I got, I got mm-hmm. my vaccine like right after the show finished airing, and so it was nice to kind of have this this kind of avatar for myself in the world as I prepared for the the I guess battle of rejoining society.
0: <laughs> I I hear you. Fully. Um, there's lots to talk about in here, but I wanna I wanna stay on Agatha for a second because I have on occasion done the full head-to-toe, full transformation into a character. Um, like when um Peaches and Dela, and then Peaches and Bob, and then Peaches and Whole Star and I, when we did Um, Hocus Pocus Oh yeah. I played Sarah Jessica Parker You know when I was a kid I was obsessed I mean I was obsessed with the film I wanted to be Winnie But of course I also wanted to be Sarah Because you know slut But when I put on the fucking mole When I did the nose contour right When I had that little The dark roots in the wig And the costume replica I would put on this costume and I would feel so powerful because I would see the character so fully that I stopped seeing me. And I think avatar is the perfect word for that because it's beyond our drag. It's like our drag is an extension of us, but when we like cosplay as a character, like, you're stepping out of even Jackie Cox and Jinx Monsoon and into someone that's entirely not you. And there's something freeing about that. Maybe that's why cosplayers are so, you know, up their own asses. No, I'm joking. Cosplayers are the sweetest people I've ever met.
1: <laughs> um, I think for me, it was, yeah, that, and I think something that happens and maybe you, maybe you agree, maybe you don't, is I think once you do drag race, you lose a bit of mm. the avatarness of your own drag character. You know, Jackie Cox. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. a creation of mine that helped me be more than who I am out of drag. Um, but because Drag Race really p- pulls and pushes and peeks behind the curtain and you know rips the mask off, it's part of the genre mm-hmm. of that t- television show. You lose a little bit of the kind of protectiveness of your drag character. Yeah. And so then adding another character on top of it can sometimes feel in a way liberating. I know people sometimes ask like, why do you hide yourself with drag? Or I don't know if people ask that specifically, but people kind of have that question about mm-hmm. why does drag, um, you know, why do, why do why do we put on this mask? And I think it's something that we actually use to express parts of ourselves that maybe we're not as comfortable with or as uh, s- confident about. Um, and so, you know, I was like, well, now I'm Catherine Hahn, I can do anything. <laughs>
0: You know that is that's absolutely true. You know, I lost all anonymity. <clears throat> Excuse me, anonymity. I lost all anonymity when I <laughs> when I went on drag race. And we're talking about like pre-drag race. I would have times where I'd run into people out of drag and they'd be talking about having seen Jinx perform the night before. <laughs> And I would say, oh, yeah, what did you think of Jinx? Because they didn't realize I was Jinx. And they'd say, for a cis female drag queen, um, she's really making a name for herself. And that literally happened like three or four times when I was, I was like, oh, Jinx isn't a cis female drag queen. And they were like, trust me, I can tell. (laughs) And I was like, well, I'm Jinx, so you want to see my pee-pee? (laughs) But (laughs) anyway... Um but yeah that's absolutely right. You know like drag absolutely gives us that kind of superpower feeling. But after drag race so many people want to talk to the human being inside the drag queen. Yeah. And they know that human being to an extent from like you said, peeking behind the curtain. And they don't necessarily want to talk to the character. They yeah. want to talk to the human being that they connect with. So that was kind of a a learning curve for me because it used to be when I was in drag, if I was in drag, I was in jinx mode, you know, mm-hmm. unless I was in my dressing room with other queens. But out in public, it's like you're getting full unadulterated jinx at all times. I've had to kind of learn how to flip back and forth between you know, the human and the drag queen. Yeah. And then lots of times I have to then specify that I'm joking so that the person knows that was the drag queen talking and not the human being. Sure.
1: Just just now, you know? Well, that's, I mean, and that's what I think is um, something that we'll keep exploring for the rest of our drag careers. But uh, yeah. certainly I love, you know, um, if I may segue, something that was so great about, Seeing, Please
0: segue. Well, Seeing how, what, <laughs>
1: what you and Dela have created since the show, which are these personas of yourselves in your Christmas specials mm-hmm. and beyond where, you know, there's still the Jinx and Dala we may have met through Drag Race, but they're specifically mm-hmm. engineered into these shows and this specific, you know... um uh I won't say cantankerous, maybe that's too strong of a word, but this this <laughs> this friendship with friction that we know is built for the stage. And I think that's part of what lets the yeah. audience relax into your shows is they're like, oh, we love when Jinx and Dela have their kind of um when they're at odds with each other because it's a we know it's part of a characterization and a performance that we, the audience, can then relax in um and enjoy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the the holiday show is funny because Dale and I have such distinct personas when we do our solo work. And then you put us together on stage, and those characters have to morph a little bit because, for one, Dale does all of her solo shows completely solo. I do all of my solo shows, quote-unquote, with, quote-unquote, solo shows with major scales, so I'm used to having someone to play off of, but I'm the high-status person in that scenario. Yeah. With Dela, it's like Dela has probably about an inch more status than Jinx on stage, but Jinx doesn't know that. Right. <laughs> and Dela and, and so, thinks she
1: has, you know, a yard more status, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And then also, we talk about how Jinx becomes more of a slutty bitch in contrast to DeLa, and DeLa becomes even more of an idiot in contrast to Jinx. Sure. And we've leaned into that throughout the years, so. (laughs) Uh,
1: So I would say Jinx becomes, if she's more of a slutty bitch, she's more true to your real self, so that's good, that's good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jackie, when I first saw you perform live, you had just filmed Drag Race, and um, I'm, Maybe this isn't the first time I saw you perform live, but it was definitely a memorable evening because you were hosting a Boylesque show. Oh, yeah. You had just filmed Drag Race. We weren't supposed to be talking about it, but we all, you know, we were were talking in Morse code through (laughs) eye blinks, (laughs) essentially. And we were having a conversation without having a conversation because Dale and I went to see the show and we all just were looking at each other like,
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I lost Jinx. She
0: froze. Joseph, can Like it was like no one said anything, but we all knew, uh, and that's how it is with Drag Race. Um, you're we'll a live performer. Question. You're a you're you're a live singer. After... You're a
1: comedian. Oh, wait, there you are. Oh, we, we lost you for a minute. Um, Jinx, don't don't worry. I was very
0: charming. I was just saying that when we first uh, when Dale and I first saw you. Um, when I first saw you perform live, I think this is the first time I saw you perform live. Dayla and I went to see a Boylesque show you were hosting. We had a whole conversation without having a conversation. Now, you sing live. You do live comedy. Um, uh, you are a, a, a live entertainer. What What drew you to singing live versus lip syncing? In, in your New York cabaret career? <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, that's a good question because I think, too, you know that me probably was a cabaret performer and New York knows me as such, but I think, you know, the way the show kind of edits you mm. and portrays you people are always surprised that I sing in my shows because they're like wait mm-hmm. you couldn't hit those really high notes in the Madonna challenge and I was like yes that's television dear like, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> you know what I mean like I think they people forget that like you know they they purposely pick the worst vocal take you have if that's the story they want it you know these are all these <laughs> things that I'm like you know I don't think of myself as a singer but I do love that using my real voice it, it lends um, itself to a different kind of storytelling. I think lip sync is also mm. a a a way to tell a story or a way to perform a song. is is mm-hmm. and definitely a an art form that I also love and I think is valid. But something about singing it does give you the opportunity to really make a song your own, um, whether that's mm-hmm. through parody lyrics or just through the way that you're performing the song. Um, I also do think it's it's such an easier transition in a cabaret space back into my comedy or my hosting when you are able Mm -hmm. to kind of quickly move in and out of song to speaking, I think is something that helps me connect with the audience. It's kind of, I guess like the one thing I think any New York drag queen has to do, whether they're a lip sync artist or a live singing artist, is be able to connect with the audience with a microphone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, because I mean, that's the one thing that people People are always wondering why New York drag is different. It's because New York drag is cheap. It's because the bars (laughs) don't have the money to pay for A, a big stage, or B, multiple queens. So they put one poor girl out there for an hour and a half with a DJ and a microphone and kind of just tell her, good luck. And you're competing with every other bar around the corner that has the same drag queen and microphone and DJ. And you have to be able to keep an audience in that bar drinking during the time of your show, so that's kind of yeah. You know, every New York drag queen learns you have to kind of build this connection with the audience if you want them to literally stay. So yeah, that's something that I think sets New York drag apart. And everyone's like, it's because it's the best. I'm like, no, it's because it's cheap. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, New York drag is so specific and I think a lot of it comes out of, I mean, drag is always regional. Drag will always be affected by the region that it's in. But what I find with New York drag is there's so many people and the spaces are so small. (laughs) And that, I think, dictates a lot of what you have to do as a performer. Like you're compensating... Against, you know, like, a bunch of people crammed into a small space, wanting them all to be entertained, making that connection, and then also, like, how do you survive a night when there's, like, (laughs) you're in high whore drag at the back of the room, you can't make a way to the exit, like...
1: Oh, even like, where do you um, change? Like, I, I, I've like, I've like, I've like, I've like, I've like ducked behind the DJ booth to like change whatever for the next, it's like, so like most drag queens in New York, we don't even change costumes. So it's like, where are we going to change? Like uh, on top of someone, you know, doing a, doing their buddy in the stall, you know, like what, what is, what? <laughs> there's like nowhere to Oh, you were anything.
0: performing at the cock? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I mean, literally in New York, it's kind of every bar. So, you know, hey, oh my God. I love that. I love the cock.
0: Do you know what my favorite thing about going to strip clubs um, or or the cock or anything yeah. of that nature? My favorite thing is because I've been queer for a long time and I've always had this motherly energy. And I used to, um, you know, I used to spend a lot of time at this queer youth center. So I would at times counsel peers or give life advice and blah, blah, blah. And I've had lots of friends throughout my life call me mom. Nothing shocks your system like walking into the cock seeing a friend of yours you've known since they were like 14 and you were like 16 and here they are buck naked on the bar in their 20s and they go hi mom (laughs) and you're like hi balls um
1: (laughs) i think that's great i love it (laughs) because here's the thing i think we're finally i think There's something big happening in gay culture that I think is directly Mm. tied to two things. One is, I do think more gay men are really secure in the idea that gay marriage is the law of the land. And I think the local, Mm. I mean, not the local, the recent developments in the government support that. We hope, we knock on wood. I don't know if that's true, but I think Mm. most most gay men feel that way. And two, PrEP Mm. have made us finally able to kind of get back to that idea in the 70s before AIDS and before marriage was even a possibility of like being way more sexually liberated as a subculture. So, I mean, you say that this kind of stuff happens with the cock, I'm not joking. I think in, at least in New York <laughs> City, I think all the bars are getting a little more, um, I'll say, positive around um, mm. people feeling themselves sexually and what have you and yeah. and, I I used to be kind of at odds of like should I ever be, you know, around that kind of stuff, you know? And I'm like, you know what? It, people should be free to do their own things and if it's in an in an adult in an adult space and there's, you know, consent involved, I'm like Go for it, kids. You know, so so I say, you know, yeah. that, that kid felt liberated enough to say hi, mom, to you at the cock. I love it. That's the future. That's the future that liberals want. I'm just going to say it.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I've just had such a long journey in my life with my sexuality of being you know so repressed and so ashamed of anything and so scared of anything sexual to then being like a total teenage slut you know like coming out at 14 sleeping around then having like 2 years of like self uh self-induced uh, abstinence and <laughs> like I've been all over the place. And then now here I am in my 30s. I've done a lot of reading on the subject. I've had a lot of conversations. I'm in therapy. I'm in a committed, open relationship. And I am probably one of the sluttier people I know, but I'm also like really vanilla. <laughs> I'm like the most vanilla slut you've ever met. <laughs> like, I like sex a lot, and I just like it to be just really run of the run of the mills. Run of the mill, okay. <laughs> you know, well maybe
1: that's m- to explore uh, going beyond vanilla when you're in your forties. <laughs>
0: There's always yeah. time. Forties, forties is when I'll get out the leather and latex. Um, <laughs> now that we're talking about sexuality, and you were talking a little bit um, earlier about drag allowing you to explore parts of yourself. Oh, yeah. I can say unequivocally, you know, my, what drew me to drag in the first place was something that I didn't even realize in myself until later in life. And, you know, I've been very public and open of my own gender journey I presently um, self-identify as trans femme non-binary. And I figured all of this stuff out about myself because I had drag to explore those areas of my life. What has drag helped you explore in yourself?
1: Yeah, that's a really good and interesting question. And I think I'm still learning from my drag a lot more about the ways I've performed masculinity throughout my life, you know, mm. and kind of mm-hmm. feeling like I had to perform masculinity to either fit in. You know, I I went through puberty in Wisconsin. Um, I lived with a mom who, from as early as I could remember, told me to walk differently and talk differently mm. and, and, and try to be more masculine, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I was always asking when I was with my dad, my parents were divorced at a young age, I was always asking him to buy me Barbies and she would get mad and tell me I could buy action figures. Mm -hmm. Like all these kinds of ways that we kind of teach children to perform masculinity. I think Mm -hmm, Jackie mm -hmm. was a way for me to undo a little bit of that and find where I really live. And also, um, you know, give me the comfort of knowing like how much of myself I I can own for myself and how much if I want to perform it for others, I can, I guess, you know, I identify as a gender expansive. uh, They used to call this gender nonconforming, but you know, Mm -hmm. I I think I'm a gay man. And the reason I say expansive is because I think a man can be more feminine than I think traditional society allows um, and I think mm-hmm. a man can have feminine qualities. I think a man can wear clothing that we've con- traditionally considered to be feminine clothing. All of those things are possible. Um, and I guess it's it, it, it's like saying that if gender is a spectrum, right? And we <laughs> we pretend there's these two ends mm-hmm. of it, even though I don't know if those really mm-hmm. those are the ends. But if we pretend that that's the mm-hmm. if we pretend <laughs> that that's the truth. <laughs> It's not that I'm yeah. saying there isn't a binary. I think that most of us have to find a way to, at least in our heads, reconcile the fact that we've been taught a binary, whether or not we identify with it or not, it's still part of our society. So if there is a binary, I'm trying to push the binary as to be as broad as possible and to yeah. in- include everyone. So that's why I don't say I'm non-binary, even though maybe everything I'm saying sounds like a non-binary person, But it's because I'm- No, I think it makes
0: perfect sense. Well, you know, we're at this interesting time because, and I think, honestly, I think this is how we tear down the construct of gender. Because we're at this interesting time where you will see, like you're describing, gay men wearing clothing that is traditionally um, considered to be female or femme, And these people still identify as cis gay men. Then you might see um, someone who you assume is a gay man in the same type of clothing who identifies as non-binary. And that's the thing. We are learning that what we assign to a person, that doesn't have any bearing in reality. Because that person is the person who gets to decide what they identify as. And it's such an easy concept, and it's also such a novel concept at this point in time. And one of my favorite speakers on this topic, Alok, um, I always say their last... I always want to say Alok Menon. That's it. I'm finally saying their name right. I always do you ever do the thing where you see people's Instagram handles yeah. and it confuses yeah. their real name right, because their, some people their have chosen these, name,
1: like you know? some people have these Instagram <laughs> handles that are like very like specific but not their real name or 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 their performer name and I yeah. and I'm always like oh yeah their name is you know Performer Butterfly 23. No, that's not their name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, anyway, Alok, an amazing poet, an amazing comedian, an amazing friend, speaks on gender constantly. Everyone should be following Alok. Um, Alok says that this reaction from the cis heteronormative community, this reaction of anger towards those mm. of us finding this freedom in gender and breaking out of the construct of gender that this anger that we're facing from from the oppressive communities <laughs> is more based in fear than anything else. That like, imagine you've been told your whole life that these are the rules and everyone follows them. And then you start seeing other people breaking those rules and getting away with breaking the rules. There's going to be fear of what happens when those rules are broken. And what if everyone starts breaking the rules? And does that mean I need to break the rules? And should I be breaking the rules? Am I going to get in trouble if I break the rules? And then there's even probably jealousy? Why do they get to break the rules if I have to be stuck in my man clothes, you know? And I think that like, just to see people living freely is so, it it, it threatens people because I think, and what Alok says often is they are scared of the potential of that own, of that freedom in, their self, in yeah. themselves. I'm sorry, I'm so tongue-tied. But it's like that, you know, Imagine someone told you all the rules you you've lived by your whole life don't exist. And how shocking that can be depending on how deeply conditioned you've been. And I think, you know, based on where you grow up, where you, who you were raised by, that that freedom can be terrifying.
1: <laughs> oh, completely terrifying. And I do think you know we talk about the patriarchy a lot, and I and I think what people and sometimes this sounds so basic, but like and maybe animalistic, but a lot of the patriarchy and a lot of this kind of fear from specifically cis straight men and potentially the mm. women who support this. <laughs> um or non-men, I guess I should say, is that um, it's so much is rooted in this kind of like animal instinct of paternity and this idea that if we mm. control women, we can guarantee the paternity of our own offspring as if I'm a cis straight mm. man. And so, so much of misogyny is built on this idea if we control women, we control what they wear, we control the spaces they're allowed in, we control who they talk to and who they're with then we can guarantee the paternity of our own offspring. It's this kind of like weird animal (laughs) side to the patriarchy. But if you think about it, if if misogyny is rooted in that, and there's people, both AFAB and AMAB people, who are breaking free from those ideas, then all of a sudden, does that mean everything is thrown into flux? If all of a sudden my wife feels empowered enough to cut her hair short, wear pants, right? If I'm taking this back 50 years of when people first started Mm -hmm, freaking mm -hmm. out or further than that, 100 (laughs) years, 100 years. Women started wearing pants in the 20s. But you know what I'm saying. But I think this idea of like, if we we allow Mm -hmm. freedom for women to have spaces where they can have autonomy over their own bodies, then do I have the fear of my child not being mine? And it's this like really kind of like... (laughs) sad patriarchal instinct but it kind of drives this huge part of our entire society and 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 That's what's like
0: so frustrating to watch is when you can see that there are chemical elements that cause people to behave ways. There are conditioning elements. There are societal elements. And if everyone could just be given the time to recognize that for themselves and and, and be taught that in a way that's accessible, then they could make their own decisions for themselves rather than... Making instinctual or visceral decisions based off of outside influences that aren't actually coming from their own spirit or their own heart, you know, <laughs> or, or or even their own.
1: Um, I think what's so hard too is just that idea of like, I, you know, I, I, I it, it bears nothing on me for you or anyone else to identify as any gender or sexuality. You know, unless Mm. uh, uh, the only my only question about you with your sexuality is if you and I plan on having sex together. And if you are attracted to me, the person that I'm looking to have sex Mm -hmm. with. Right. And if the two of us consent to that. Speaking
0: of which, I'm (laughs) free too. um, And you're you're just five blocks away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like your gender, like, why do I why does that? Exactly. Matter to me. It it, uh, it it shouldn't matter to me ever. Like, no, in no circumstance do I need to have any consent or anything to your identity or expression of gender. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's honestly, it's for me to appreciate or not. It, that's it.
0: <laughs> or ignore. <laughs> or ignore. Or ignore. I mean, there's a mute button on Instagram, for God's sakes. Instagram figured it out. If you don't like something, don't look at it. Anyway, um... I do think that, yeah, you know, like people concerning themselves with other people's lives for no goddamn good reason, I do think that has to be rooted in that fear we're talking about. Because if they can stamp down that freedom in other people, then they never have to address those issues within themselves. It's like, I've been taught these rules my whole life. Turns out these rules might be completely false. They might be completely made up and there was no reason for me to be following these rules my whole life. When you reach that crossroads, some people might get so scared of having to admit that they were fooled their whole life into believing these rules that actually have no bearing. And angry, and angry. and they, and they get angry and they get fearful. And rather than taking the time with themselves to process those emotions, it is way easier. And oftentimes the route people take is to find a way to blame someone else and make it someone else's problem because that is less scary than having to confront those emotions
1: within yourself.
0: I mean, so there we that, go. We took the entire witch bigotry, hunt. you and I
1: just You now. and I we did it. Well, and that's 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 literally what's playing out <laughs> with the witch hunt against drag queen story hour. It's just this idea of Absolutely. In addition to you making me question these rules for myself, now again, patriarchy paternity, now you're going to do that for my children, who my children who I have to own and control because that's what we're taught we're supposed to do as parents is is decide the value mm-hmm. system for our children. Um, rather than let them discover and learn it for themselves. I I think it's so bizarre, and I think they're using that fear as a cudgel and then turning us into these hyper-sexualized, you know, we've been called everything from porn stars to sex workers, which I support, but I don't think anyone is, um, uh, no drag queen I have heard of is intentionally sexualizing children in any way. Um, and drag queen story hours are the the it's it's all the wheels on the bus and 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 other benign <laughs> banal children's stories. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and when you hear these stories, when you hear these like fears and these completely baseless allegations of drag queens pushing an agenda at story hour, or drag queens being hypersexual. All I want to say in response to that is go watch Mrs. Kasha Davis's Instagram reels and tell me what's sexy about that. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, am teasing. Mrs. Kasha Davis is such a sweet, wonderful friend to me. She just came to see this show with Mr. Mr. Davis. And, and I honestly, I, I saw a video of her reading a book to kids and I'm like, this is just this is just like someone's I mean, Mrs. Kasha Davis is someone's like family member. I mean, she yeah. has kids in her own life. Like, that's the other thing that always blows my mind is that the assumption that drag queens, you get into drag and suddenly you don't know how to be a functioning human being in society. Right. It's right. like, yes, we might push the envelope. That's a conscious choice we make. Right. We also know how to survive. We've also made it to this age without being killed in the streets mm-hmm. by being a drag, for being a a drag queen. We know how to take care of ourselves. We know not to fucking say the things around kids because we're human yeah. beings, adult human beings. We're not like these like feral animals that have no wherewithal
1: or demons. You and know? I, I guess I'm, I guess uh, the 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 correlation between drag queens and the 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 gay agenda. It's like yeah, the agenda is to let children know it's okay to to be a drag queen (laughs) i guess that's the agenda is 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 to your point of we have avoided people trying to kill us is because we would love the next generation to grow up to not want to kill us to be like oh yeah that drag queen i see down the street reminds me of when mrs kasha davis came to read at my elementary school or wherever um (laughs) who is exactly that's kind of like the that's the agenda don't kill us (laughs) dress up is okay
0: and they've and you know what like blows my mind to no end is that this, what you just said, that is the lesson we're teaching kids in every other area of life. Right. We're teaching, I mean, think of what Sesame Street teaches kids. Uh, eat your vegetables, wash your hands, be kind to people uh, in spite of your differences. Yeah. Embrace people for their differences. I mean, that is the lesson we're teaching kids, but then also telling them, but not these people. Yeah. And if we if we pollute that idea, if we tell kids, be kind and considerate and open-minded to all people except for these people, you're just teaching kids bigotry. You're just teaching kids bigotry. Well, and I mean, that's it. it that's it, all it, it is. <laughs> it is. And I think,
1: you know, with that, <laughs> you know, when I talked earlier about how m- so many gay men feel so confident now in gay marriage being the law of the land, mm-hmm. I think... Because That's
0: in adult bars! Well, no kids are going to these
1: bars! But what I'm saying, too, is I think because, <laughs> yeah. because it's now inappropriate in general society to mm-hmm. come down on people just for their sexuality, now we have to go after their gender identity and their gender presentation, which is drag, because we've already said yeah. that sexuality is okay— so now, what's the next thing we can do? Because now, precisely. So it's, a, it's, it's, they're just using us because precisely. they're mad at all of it, but we're the, we're the easy targets. We're the most visible people. And people use, you know, people have used children for their own political agendas for a long time. I, I, oh, I, I guarantee you many yeah, of these people absolutely. fighting drag queen story hours just are anti LGBTQIA plus in general. This is just something, something that they think they can galvanize their troops against rather than the real thing the real thing they're scared of like we said at the beginning is themselves and the sudden awakening that some of the rules they grew up with don't matter aren't real and they were wasting their whole life feeling oppressed by their own culture and society
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And then there's the element of the politicians who sick those people, the uh, the people susceptible to this kind of propaganda, to this kind of um narrative that drag queens are evil and they want to abduct and 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 abuse your children or whatever. Whatever the storyline is, uh, we've got to acknowledge also that there are countless politicians who put this storyline into the world. Not because they actually care about the kids, not because they're anti-LGBTQ, but because they know that this will rally their supporters together against one cause, and then you keep those people under your thumb. And it is a huge manipulation tactic. And every time... Every time the words gun reform gets brought up, the next words out of a Republican's mouth are, but the drag queens. You know, sure. it is a distraction tactic.
1: It is or but the immigrants. so blatant. But but, but, and, but the immigrants, but the but the refugees, yeah, but the Exactly. But and the, it's been
0: happening. It's been Exactly. Yeah. And then and and then what happens is those people susceptible to that kind of manipulation then turn around and cause actual damage. And that's where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And... It fills me with so much rage, and there's, it's like, you know, if I didn't have a show to do right now, I'd probably be yelling into the void because I'm just so angry all the time. And what you were talking about is the way this attitude has shifted. It's just a different way to be anti-queer. It's a the socially acceptable way to still be homophobic. Yep. Essentially, the words "pedophile" and "groomer" have replaced the word "faggot" in the yeah. mouths of our oppressors. Yeah, they have just found a new way to call us fags.
1: Yeah, they, you know, I specifically and specifically take and it to this, this the, way. Well, Wasn't based on the beginning of our conversation. That video of me performing Agatha all along, mm-hmm. which Disney, the company, hired me to do, um, has been accused of grooming children. And I'm like, uh, I'm singing a song in a dress that goes up to here. Um, uh, and and his long sleeve,
0: Victorian high collar. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't think any. I don't think anyone can say that this has anything. There's, there's. It's, it's boggles my mind. I mean, what these, the lengths these people will go to to twist, twist something that is very innocent. Me singing a, a hit song from a Disney show in full drag, dressed as the character from that show. Um, it, it is. There's nothing remotely. Um, <sighs> Sexual about it.
0: (laughs) We have mutual friends. (laughs) We have mutual friends, and of course, all of our drag sisters but we are also um uh, mutually friendly with the adorable sweet angel babies that are the zakar twins oh yeah um, how did your friendship with the zakar twins come about and um you know y'all have some uh y'all oh, have i lost some, half of it um,
1: wait go back Jinx. sorry <laughs> go back to how did your relationship with the zakar cool. twins yeah
0: how did your relationship with the Zakhar twins begin? And it's always really lovely because you and the Zakhar twins um, all uh, uh, have commonality in... Um, bringing forth representation of your cultures, um, and being queer people from your cultures, bringing forth that representation. And it's always sweet to see the three of you together. So tell me, tell me how you met those boys.
1: (laughs) It's funny. I met them. I met them, I think just on Instagram, kind of during the like the 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 madness so it's a modern
0: love story modern (laughs) love story we all
1: just you know I was just kind of like we we were noticing each other just because they kind of saw like how out and proud I was about being you know someone of Persian ancestry they're Iraqi Mm -hmm. those those two countries are neighbors and also like mortal enemies for like the better part of the last thousand years um and so it was kind of fun for us to kind of when we talked about it, just to kind of like, how can we represent kind of a little bit of the breaking of that kind of historical feud? Because it's, it's tough for people from the, um we used to say um MENA diaspora, but now I think rather than saying Middle Eastern, North African, um rather than centering the West in that conversation, the mm-hmm. the term most, most mm-hmm. more people like now is SWANA, which is Southwest Asian and uh, North African. And I say that more for the listeners out there who may start seeing the word SWANA come up is... Um, mm-hmm. southwest of Asia and North Africa, that kind of diaspora of people have history of thousands of years that has involved Western influence as well. But um, mm-hmm. are tr- there's a lot of complex geopolitical fighting that I'll never understand all the details of, of what's happened between all of those countries, their relationships with religion, their relationships with um, the various conquering forces that have taken over them over millennia. So... Now, in the year 2022, we as Swana people, and especially queer Swana people who have been marginalized for sure, um, and especially with such little representation here in the United States, what's the opportunity we Mm -hmm. have to kind of change the narrative? That's something that was important to me in general with my time on Drag Race and my time since Drag Race is how do we change the narrative around what... Swana people are, what we can represent. Um, Something that I've heard consistently from people who reach out to me, whether they're Persian or other um, descent, is they love that I was able to bring joy back into the conversation. Joy and fun Mm. and like celebration because Mm -hmm. there is so much darkness and so much negative representation in the media um, mm, and with that mm-hmm. same token, I before we go anywhere further in this conversation, I do have to shout out the amazing women <laughs> fighting for equal uh, equal rights in Iran right now. Mm-hmm. It's huge. This is mm-hmm. the biggest biggest revolution since the revolution that brought um, hardline Islam to Iran. Um, and so I am a huge champion yeah. of those women. That for the first women led revolution in the world. Um, in modern times. It's incredible to see. So with the car twins, um, we were like, to, to, to take it out of the seriousness. <laughs> um,
0: re- real quick, Jackie. Real yeah. quick, Jackie. Um, do you have somewhere, if, if someone's new to um, the conversation of that revolution happening right now, do you have somewhere to direct them that's like somewhere you would send someone to uh,
1: I think, get the crash
0: course on exactly what's happening? Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I like to send... Um, especially like non-Middle non, um, non Middle Eastern or Swana folks to Middle East Matters. That's an Instagram that really breaks down not mm-hmm. just what's happening in Iran, but in the entire region and kind of, it's for a Western mm-hmm. audience and they post every day, but it talks a lot about what's going on in Iran, but also what's happening in all of the other countries because that region really ricochets back and forth between what's happening, how each country influences each other, the kind of uh, the ways that, this very complex region historically has been influenced, manipulated by the United States and other Western countries, I think is something that's really fascinating that very few Americans really understand their role in everything that's happened in, Mm -hmm. in the world, but certainly in that part of the world. Um, so I'd love people to go to middle East matters. It's an Instagram account, totally easy to follow, very easy infographs and stuff for people. Um, but all of that Wonderful. aside, what I love about the Zacchara twins is, <laughs> okay. is, is, is we're able to yeah. kind of bring back that <laughs> the joy part, right? The sexiness, the fun, the joy. Um, we're actually thinking mm-hmm. of doing a new something new in the new year that's kind of really going to focus in on like our this kind of celebration of um, of of our bodies, of uh, maybe something a little sexier from all of us that you may jinx. I think you'll love it. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, I will. I, I I'll be very candid um, here. Well, it's just you and me, and my, my husband's in the room, and then you know whoever listens to this. But uh, <laughs> um, I we talked about how um, I was going to bring this up earlier, but you were on such a roll, I didn't want to stop your um uh, thought train. But after Drag Race. It felt like something sparked inside of you. I don't know how much of a thirst trapper thought thought you were before Drag Race, but after Drag Race, you had that manscaped campaign. And next <laughs> thing I know, it's like, where's the OnlyFans, jo- uh, Jackie Cox? I am ready to be a patron of these erotic arts.
1: <laughs> yeah, well that's that uh that's something I didn't actually know that people would respond to me. I've always felt like comfortable and confident in like my, you know, mm-hmm. own sexuality um, mm-hmm. and my own competence as a sexual adult um but mm-hmm. i didn't realize that everyone else would not everyone sorry i shouldn't say everyone <laughs> but i i didn't i didn't realize I, that i i honestly didn't know that that was going to be something that anyone connected um with oh, me well, on and that's
0: so that's really sweet that's i mean that's that's better than the alternative that's better than you being like yeah i knew everyone wanted a piece of this um no it's very sweet because i got to say i never I never felt sexy. Most of my life, I did not feel sexy, um, except for when I was in drag, but then Mm. it felt very conditional. You know, like it felt like I'm sexy in drag or certain people find me attractive when I'm dressed like a woman. Embracing my own gender identity was the missing peace in, in in my own sexuality, you know? Cause nowadays I feel like a freaking sex goddess and nine out of ten grinder hookups would agree. Uh, hey. so you've
1: got <laughs> And that tenth so you've one? got... Um, sorry kid
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry it <laughs> hey, can't all be winners. Uh, hey anyway um <laughs> So, you've got upcoming projects with the Zakar twins. You've got your yeah. Manscaped um, ad campaign. Um, what else can we expect from Jackie Cox in, in the coming
1: years? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, speaking of what we talked about uh, earlier about, you know, you and Dela, and I've said this, I think in every interview, have been such an inspiration to me in terms of bringing drag cabaret to the mainstream. And mm, so I am mm-hmm. I am putting together a new cabaret show to tour with uh, the next year because I... <laughs> Uh, the one I toured in 2021 and beginning of 2022, the Agatha stuff, I think we can let her sit for a little bit. And I think I have something new and exciting <laughs> coming to the cabaret circuit, uh, you know, the, the Orpheum circuit. Uh, I'll be playing oh. in all of the lobbies that Jinx and Dela did their shows in this holiday season. <laughs> um, so, and you're, we're about to be neighbors for a very long time because your, your show is two blocks from my apartment. Um, Chicago, oh,
0: the music well, I know. I'm I'm very excited, but I very much am someone who has to like. I have to finish this project first. Like I'm currently on tour. Yeah, it's like I, I I've you know I'm doing little things here and there to prep for Chicago, but I won't really click into that until this tour is over. Cause I like every project to get my full attention while I'm doing it. So, but yes, I'm very excited. We'll be neighbors. Um, I'll come over if I'm having a shaving emergency. I know you got all the, the clippers and the manscapers all of and it. they're, a, they're a friend of the podcast. So I don't mind dropping the manscaped. Ooh, I, have a, I have Cox. a, I have I do have a, I don't know when this is airing,
1: but I do have a, a sexy, um, <laughs> a sexy campaign for a different company that you'll have to stay tuned for um, on my Instagram, so... So everyone,
0: um go follow Jackie Cox if you're not already doing it. If you love drag follower, if you love thirst trap posts follower, um, if you like uh politics hot dudes with nice
1: glasses.
0: Oh, politics, hey, politics. Hell, the I, trifecta. That's kind of
1: like my my brand is it's like it's well, I guess it's four prongs. It's one, uh I guess I am a drag queen, so there is drag. Uh two, uh I talk a lot about like causes that matter to me and things happening in the world and again for those listening i'm sorry if i have not addressed the specific cause that you find most important i will do my best um but i really am going to focus on things that i find important and don't please don't Mm -hmm. be offended i want you to be the champion of whatever you don't want to be the champion for jinx i'm sure you hear this all the time please address this every issue from every geopolitical corner of the continent and the world it's impossible you can't do it you can't do it you can't do it
0: i mean No one person can do absolutely everything. Um, No one thing can be everything for everyone, unless you're Michelle Yeoh. Before I get to my requisite questions, there is a picture in my notes of you in some sort of... What is this picture? I'm... uh, my lovely producer, Joseph, says, Potential conversation starters. In your early 20s, you were a performer at Disneyland. What was the experience like, and what what Disney secrets can you reveal? Are you a Disney gay? Was this your first big performing job? And then there's a picture of you. You don't look like a Disney character. You just look like a general 90s teenager in Day Glow. In Day Glow, <laughs> What? PVC pants.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. know the picture I'm referring oh, to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was, yeah. Oh, so I, um, <laughs> funny you should ask. I did, I, I have a couple cabaret <laughs> shows about this very topic that I've done for Gay Days at Disney. <laughs> um, I've had a very long relationship with that company that continues to this day, apparently. Um, uh, this is another one we can unpack for a long, long time, but the, the shortest version of it is that it's, it was, it was a way for my dad to connect with me, you know, uh, being a child of divorce and (laughs) only being a couple, a couple moments with my dad every, every year is he lived in Orange County, California, most of my life. And so we we spent a lot of time together at Disneyland when I was a kid. Um, and I got a job there after high school. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely, uh. In some ways, a Disney gay, but it has quite a few caveats, and I'm certainly not one to say that that company is free of fault or guilt or shouldn't be championing, you know, further progressive causes. Listen. So I, I, I'm not I'm not an apologist, but I it is it is a company and a brand that I've had a historic and long relationship with that I hope will get better in the future.
0: Listen, like it or not, Disney is a part of all of our lives. <laughs> it's very true. Like it or not, it's there. Truly, um, I think my listeners are very aware on my thoughts on capitalism, major corporations being, you know, what's killing our planet, and yet we are the ones who are supposed to fix the problem when clearly the CEOs are the ones causing the problem but aren't being held accountable. I think my listeners know that from me. But here's what I'll say about Disney. Disney had reached a point recently where basically angry conservative parents told Disney, we don't like the direction you're taking, Disney. It's getting too inclusive. It's getting too progressive. And we don't want to acknowledge that queer people exist. And Disney said, oh, fuck you. We're going to go even harder. And they have doubled down. (laughs) And I will say, for a giant corporation, for a multi-international conglomerate like Disney to double down on its queer content and in the face of those conservative assholes say, nope, we're not going to do that and we're not going to cow-tow to you just because you think you wield some kind of power. I respect them for that. Corporate stuff, uh, um, you know, like c- uh, capitalist stuff, my feelings are very strong there, but at least they doubled down when they could have backed off. Yeah. So that's how I feel.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah that's, and, and we Cox. could, that could be a whole other <laughs> ep- podcast episode too. We could just dive into Absolutely. that conversation.
0: Jackie, I love you so much. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Um, and I'm excited to be your neighbor. So we're going to be hanging yeah. out a ton. I have I have my compulsory questions I ask every guest. Mm. Do you feel ready?
1: I'm I'm ready.
0: <laughs> okay. Question the first, who is your celebrity crush today?
1: I oh gosh, this is ooh, who have I been crushing on <laughs> lately? Oh, my gosh. This is a it it was Andrew Garfield for a long time. Um, So (laughs) cute. Um, uh, Gosh, maybe it's still Andrew. I'm not uh, you. This is a good question. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay with Andrew for now. If I think of someone else, we'll keep going.
0: Okay, I'm going to be super basic and say you're my celebrity crush today because I'm sitting here looking at you in your Jinx and De La Holiday t-shirt and your gold frame lensless glasses, and I'm thinking <laughs> there's there's no one else. Um, I'm also going to give a shout out to two of my new friends who are um, porn stars in French Canada, Leah Louise and Edward Tarrant. Ter- 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 I guess I've never heard it said out loud. Um, Leo and Edward are also my celebrity crushes today.
1: <laughs> many, many, many crushes across the across yeah. the world. Um
0: second question is are you spiritual?
1: No, I'm not actively spiritual. I am very open to the idea of spirituality and Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm very solidly agnostic and that I acknowledge the possibility of spirits and a greater power, but it is not something that I have, like, a conscious connection to or awareness mm-hmm. of. I I have an openness to it, and I certainly love hearing about other people's really strong spiritualities and connections mm-hmm. to other powers, Um I haven't ever had an experience that's made me feel particularly connected to a higher power, but I acknowledge the possibility exists, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's... I, I I think that's lovely because if we just keep our minds open to possibilities, I just think... I don't know. It's the people who think that everything's figured out and everything's finite. It's like... What makes you think that this point in time is so special compared to the last 2022 years? Sure, (laughs) if if we continue to evolve over these last twenty. (laughs) <laughs> the last few um, millennia. These last yeah, whatever. Um if we've continued to evolve all that time, what makes us think that this is the this
1: was the goal? Right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I mean this? I this 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 <laughs> <laughs> You wanted a lens um, AI app to be my... the end of humanity? Is that it? <laughs>
0: That was very good, thank you. Very topical. Um, and my
1: last question for you is: What is your go-to karaoke song? My go-to karaoke song is George uh, Michael Faith. Speaking of spirituality, but you gotta
0: have faith, faith, faith. Whoa! I didn't even
1: expect that to be a segue, but I guess uh, maybe I got maybe I gotta find faith. That's what you know. What you're gonna indoctrinate me in all of your wicked ways while you're here in New York, and by th- by this time. <laughs> Next year, I will have sworn off color, only wear black. It'll be amazing.
0: <laughs> You'll be uh, a high priestess. You'll have Hecate on speed dial. Anyway, um, thank you so much, Jackie. Uh, what are you doing tonight? Want to come see the show? I'll talk to you after the episode.
1: Yeah, text me. <laughs> I'm actually going to an amazing night of Persian art at 7 p.m. down in Chelsea Market. But maybe I'll come catch the uh, uh, catch the end of you- y'all. Wonderful. Have a
0: wonderful rest of your day. And thank you so much for joining me today.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Bye, Jinx. Jinx.
0: (laughs) And (laughs) thank you all so much for listening to Hi, Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday. Be sure to search for Hi, Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more. Hi, Jinx! M. Oh. M. Mom! To listen to Hi Jinx One Day Early and Ad-Free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepherd. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck,
1: Big Dipper, and Joe Silio.